Hi, my name is Richard Jones. I'm an elder here at the Harbor, and it's my pleasure to be bringing you the message today on spiritual disciplines. Now, for the past three weeks, we've been studying the topic of spiritual disciplines. We've had uh, different speakers talk on different topics, and I'm pretty confident that today, the topic I'm going to bring forward to speak on, it will be the least popular one of all the ones you're going to hear. And today, what we're going to be talking about is fasting. So here's a quick recap of spiritual disciplines. Brain kicked us off with an overview of spiritual disciplines a few weeks ago. These are practices that we see in the Bible that help us grow in our faithfulness, in our spiritual maturity, and also in effectiveness as a follower of Jesus. Jeff spoke to us about service. And last week, Jim spoke about prayer. And as I mentioned already, I'm going to be speaking about the topic of fasting. So what is fasting? I have several definitions that I'll put up here on the screen for you to look at. Fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Giving up a craving of the flesh because of a greater need of the spirit. The abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind or for a spiritual purpose. Taking something highly significant to us and deciding to lay it aside or postpone it temporarily for a spiritual purpose. Fasting historically has been associated with abstinence from food and or drink. You know, fasting can also be an abstinence from anything important and meaningful to us. So here are some examples that I've listed here. Could be uh, abstinence from people or crowds, solitude. Some of us have unfortunately experienced that in a COVID world where we've had some forced solitude. Could be hectic, it could be abstinence from hectic noise or activity could be abstinence from technology such as mobile devices or laptops. That one's going to be tough for some of us uh, who are kind of addicted to those. And entertainment such as movies, TV, video gaming, watching sports, and even marital intimacy. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now I want to highlight some really good resources that we all have access to at the harbor. The very first one obviously is the Bible. And you'll notice it's open in this uh, visual that I have up here. In uh, 1978, Richard Foster wrote a classic book on spiritual disciplines. His book noted what a key spiritual discipline fasting had been in the early church and how ignored fasting had been by the 20th century church. The good news is that fasting is staging a comeback as many churches and individuals look for revival in their ministries and in their lives. In 2020, a new book was published by David Roadcup and Michael Eagles called prayer and fasting. It's short and to the point, and I encourage all of you who want to read up on this topic to access this, this book. In fact, I want to acknowledge that much of the material that I'm going to share with you today is structured around the way that Road Cup and Eagles presented their material in this great book on prayer and fasting. And if you are a member of the Harbor, you have access to Right Now Media. We have a subscription to that for our members. And there's a great series in there by Tony Evans. It's actually about 12 or 13 sessions on the spiritual discipline of fasting that you can get access to. So lots of good resources, and I'd encourage you to access them as we go forward uh, into the year, and we're going to be emphasizing fasting more. So what does the Bible say about fasting? There are dozens of references in the Old Testament about fasting. I've just listed a few here. Isaiah 58, the entire chapter, is dedicated to fasting. In Esther chapter 4, there's a really uh, classic example of calling a nation to fasting. 
the Jewish nation was actually in exile in Persia, and in fact, they were under threat of extinction. And in chapter 4 of the book of Esther, verse 16, we see Esther uh, telling uh, Mordecai to do this. She said, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. In Daniel chapter 9, we see another example of fasting. In this case, it was accompanied by a prayer of confession, repentance, and asking for restoration of the Jewish nation. Again, Daniel was in exile as well in Babylon. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Again, as I mentioned, there are many, many references in the Old Testament to fasting. So what does the New Testament say about fasting? Well, for starters, Jesus taught about fasting. Interestingly, he doesn't teach extensively on it, but he did practice it. In fact, many scholars think that Jesus didn't teach a lot on it because it was a common practice. But he did talk about it and he did model it. We see in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus had a 40-day fast from eating food in the Judean wilderness. And this was actually just after he was baptized and as he was about to start his ministry. So this was his spiritual preparation starting prior to starting that public ministry. Jesus was teaching us by example that fasting needs to be done as part of the life of a believer who is seeking the Father. And as well, just to mention, a 40-day fast without food had to be accompanied by an extensive amount of water because obviously that's pushing the limits of what humans can endure. Jesus also taught about fasting in Matthew chapter 6. Now this scripture that I'm going to read here is actually part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching to large crowds. And interestingly, just before he teaches on fasting, Jesus taught about prayer. In fact, it's a section in which we say he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who, is in, who sees in secret will reward you. So from this passage, there's a few things that we can take away from Jesus talking about fasting. The first one is that Jesus expects fasting. Note that Jesus doesn't say, if you fast. Jesus says, when you fast. Leads us to believe that was a common practice. Jesus expects our motives for fasting to be pure and to be done with humility. In other words, to be done in secret only between you and the Father. And Jesus tells us if we fast this way, we can expect favor and blessing from our Father in heaven. There's other teaching from Jesus, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. And there, I'll, I put, I'll put these references up here for you that you can look at them later and research it. But Jesus did uh, speak extensively on fasting and he modeled it for us as we've already noted. So let's do a quick study of the different types of fasting that are mentioned in the Bible. This is not meant to be an exhaustive overview of it. I'm just giving you just a quick overview of it. So first kind of fast, we call it a normal fast. That's setting aside food, but not water. We already uh, talked about that example in Matthew chapter four, Jesus, 2 Samuel 12 has an example as well. A partial fast is giving up certain food or drink for a specific period of time but not stopping all food. Daniel chapter 10 has an example of that. And a complete fast, setting aside all food and water for a short duration. Esther chapter four we read, and also Saul, just after he was uh, converted by his experience on the road to Damascus, actually 
uh, did not eat or drink for three days. Now, I need to point out right here that that's nearing the limit of endurance of a human body to go without water for three days. So that's pretty much as much as we can do. And that kind of a fast obviously would need to be done under some pretty strict supervision uh, and watching and monitoring for your health when you do that complete fast. Other types of fasting involved individuals. We see this commonly where a single believer fasts uh, between him and the Father. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, David in 2 Samuel. Um, national and group fast. There are many recorded in the Old Testament, often for national repentance. I've listed some of them here. Nehemiah chapter 9, Joel chapter 2, Jeremiah 36, Ezra chapter 8. And then there are miraculous fasts. These are fasts that occur outside the boundaries of human limitations. And probably the one that's the most quoted one here is Moses, when he was on Mount Sinai receiving the commandments from God, he actually went 40 days and nights without food, obviously well beyond the capacity of a human, except in miraculous conditions. So what are purposes for fasting? There are actually a pretty extensive list of things that are purposes for fasting. I'm going to zero in on a few of them, but first let's run through the list. The first one is to fortify our prayers. Prayer and fasting together occurs frequently throughout the Bible. Combining fasting and prayer seems to add strength, impact, and increases the intensity of our prayer requests. Number two, to repent from sin. Repentance and fasting, again, are frequently seen together in the Bible. To fast while repenting of sin was also common for the nation of Israel. And fasting seems to bring strength, impact, and intensity to the act of repentance, which again is usually accompanied by prayer as well. Number three, to spiritually prepare for ministry. Jesus in Matthew chapter four. This is an excellent way for a church to respond when a new leader is called to serve in a ministry. Number four, to receive power for ministry. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to effectively serve God. Something special happens when we as individuals as, and as a church pray and fast together for the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us. Our ministry and service will have power and impact when we seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. This purpose for fasting seems to be gaining traction in the 21st century as we recognize the need for the Spirit's power. Number five, to seek the Lord's specific will for us. Seeking this specific will for individuals is common in the Bible. Saul, after he was converted. The apostles, when selecting elders in the early churches, we see this in Acts 13 and 14. Fasting is a powerful practice to add to prayers for wisdom and discernment. Number six, to mourn those lost in death. It can be an individual prayer of fasting or as a people. To seek protection from approaching danger. Number seven, this is modeled many times in Scripture. Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, Paul, this prayer and fasting can be directed to protecting others as well as us. Number eight, to accompany grief in personal or corporate loss. Number nine, to offer praise and worship. Fasting in our times of private worship and praise impacts our experience with the Father. Number 10, to avert God's wrath. This is modeled many times in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel when it, they wandered away from God's commandments. It's usually combined with prayer and repentance as well. Number 11, to set aside people for ministry leadership. This, the first century church practiced this pretty frequently, doing fasting and prayer when setting aside people for certain leadership activities or to head out on new ministry initiatives. A great deal of a church's effectiveness is determined by the leaders. There should be soaking prayer and sincere fasting. It should always be part of any leadership selection process in the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 12, the church in Antioch fasted and prayed over Paul and Barnabas being selected for missionary work. I'm going to read about it here. And I've highlighted some areas where they talked about fasting. 
Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So again, there are examples of a, one of the leading churches in the early church, in church at Antioch. They heard from the Holy Spirit and they set aside time for prayer and fasting, laying on their hands to bless and seek the power of the Holy Spirit to enable that ministry. That was actually Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey that they went out on. So now I want to tie fasting into something that we are doing at the harbor. So this graphic that I'm going to show you right now is what we call our growth cycle. So about two years ago, we introduced our vision for the, for the next several years. And there were three pillars to that vision. The first one was to be passionate followers of Jesus. The second one was to be a transforming community. And the third one to, was to be a nourishing environment for growth. So as we met as leaders and we talked about what are the things that we need to do consistently, uh, prayerfully, and just keep getting better and better as we do them, we came up with what we call our growth cycle. And that starts with to pray and fast. Right now we're doing that with our core leadership team. Number two is to serve our community with purpose. Number three is to engage in relational environments. Number four is to teach the gospel. Number five is to make disciples. You know, know the word and obey the word. Number six is to embrace multiplication where everyone is a disciple maker. So if you look at that, graphic and if you look at the growth cycle um, it should be obvious where fasting fits into that it's the starting point so the starting point for everything that we want to do at the harbor needs to start with prayer and we're introducing it needs to start with prayer and fasting because there's a power to doing that that we've already seen in the bible that we think is a an attribute that the 21st century church needs to take on more as a leadership team and as members of our fellowship to unlock and unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in the ministries that we're attempting to do. I'm going to spend a few minutes on how to plan a fast, just so you can see some of the practical implications of how to do this. So the first one involving planning a fast is really to be aware of the Holy Spirit's promptings. Make a specific commitment to complete the fast when you start. This isn't a trivial thing. Communicate to those who need to know, i.e. your spouse at mealtime. I can tell you personally, uh, it's not a good thing if you're fasting and your spouse is whipping up some gourmet meal. That's probably going to be a add extra strain to your ability to maintain that fast. Select a specific purpose. That's really tied back into item one. It's far more effective when there's a specific purpose for our prayer and fasting time. And that's why we need to seek the prompting of the Holy Spirit as to what that might be. Determine the length of your fast. It's okay to start slow. Decide on the type of fast, whether it's a normal or a partial or whether it's going to be food or something else. Start your fast with repentance and confession. Talked about the need for humility that Jesus identified when we fast. Fill your heart with scripture. Pray fervently and often. Prayer should be a major part of your fasting. Times of solitude and silence, if possible, really enable the prayer and fasting to work well together. And Know that the Lord is pleased when we successfully complete a fast. Again, very simple, practical steps for doing this. And I can tell you from personal experience that you don't need to do a tremendous amount of prep for this. 
the most important prep that you can do actually is what's listed there in number one, which is follow the prompting, seek the prompting of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of your fast. I'm going to talk for a second here about my own personal experience with fasting. So you may already have figured this out, but one of the reasons I volunteered to do this particular message is because it's something that I personally adopted in my own spiritual life. Now I'm going to make a confession in my Approximately 45 years that I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I have purposely fasted maybe three or four times up until a couple of years ago. And I was involved in a time of pretty intense spiritual activity, and um, I felt that something was just missing in my prayers. It wasn't that God wasn't answering those prayers or, or that I wasn't seeing things happens because, happening because of those prayers, but it seemed like there was something that just wasn't fully aligned and I'd always read about the power of fasting together with prayer. And so I said, okay, I, Lord, I believe I need to do this. So I started off by skipping uh, one meal a week. That was all I did. And pretty quickly I moved into, expanded that into going 24 hours uh, without food. So I drink water, I drink coffee. That might be a harder fast for me than some of the other things, I don't know. Uh, but I started going 24 hours without food. And as I started to gain, really get a sense of the experience of the power of fasting together with prayer. I moved that to two times a week. So two days a week, I actually go 24 hours without food. And um, the it just seemed to continue to elevate the prayer experience and what I was getting out of prayer and the connect the promptings that I was getting from the Holy Spirit while I was praying. So, we, so I even have occasionally expand beyond the two days a week when I do it. There may be other times when I skip a meal if there's some concerted prayer effort going on. But what I want to leave with you is that my personal experience with doing this in the last couple of years has been very powerful. Like I say, I haven't gotten insights that have solidified things that I was struggling with or solidified a direction I thought I was sensing I should go. And I've really just generally felt the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit during my prayer times when I deliberately set out to seek something from the Lord and I, and I have fasting and prayer combined with it. So I'm speaking to you from a person that never did this. I'm speaking to you now with somebody that's been doing this for a couple of years and have, have, have personally experienced the power of combining prayer and fasting together. So I'm sure that many of you watching this are expecting what's going to come next, that we're leading up to a time where we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, and we're not just talking about them so you can hear them and go away and not do them. We're talking about them because we want you to embed these spiritual disciplines in your life. And yes, we want to want you to embed fasting into your life as a member of the harbor. So here is a challenge to harbor members. The elders are challenging everyone who is a member of the harbor to join us in prayer and fasting for the month of February. And our purpose is this, to receive power for ministry that drives the growth cycle at the harbor. That's those six steps, prayer and fasting, serving our community with purpose, engaging in relational environments, teaching the gospel, making disciples and embracing multiplication. Something We need the power of the Holy Spirit to effectively serve God and to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he's given us to, to uh to work on that growth cycle and make an impact for reaching people for Jesus and making disciples in our community. Something special happens when we as individuals and a church pray to and fast together for the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us. Our ministry and service will have power and impact when we seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. 
And we want each member to receive power for the ministry or the ministries they are serving in 2021. And if you don't know what ministry to serve in, then that is a starting point for your time of prayer and fasting. So a few more details on this. We're recommending that the type of fast we do is a partial fast from food. A starting point, if you've never done this before, is skip one meal per week. And if you're more advanced or you want to do, or if you want to expand that out, then we'd recommend going to skipping food for a longer period, a 12-hour period or a 24-hour period once a week. If you are medically unable to skip a meal, and some people are because of health, chronic health issues, then fast from something else. Whatever you fast from, make it a sacrifice that you have to fast from. Start your fasting with repentance and confession. Fill your heart with scripture. Read one chapter a day from the book of Matthew. Pray fervently and pray often while you're doing your fast. There's one final image I want to leave with you about fasting. Um, some of you know that I'm a, I'm a car geek. I actually study you know, how the mechanical parts of, a, of an automobile work. I uh, like to understand how all the mechanics of it work. I'm fascinated by the sophistication of it and how you can take it apart. You can take it apart in your garage if you've got enough courage and the right tools to do it. You know, I've even developed a YouTube habit of uh, finding, they call them engine teardowns, where they'll just take an engine out of a car and you'll put it in a workshop and they'll take they'll completely disassemble the entire engine right down to the block. And it's fascinating to see how it fits together. Fascinating, fascinates me to see when things don't go right in them and where there's damage. And so the best analogy I can give you about adding fasting to your prayer time is this. And hopefully this will resonate with you whether you're a car person or not. You know, many vehicles today get extra power from the addition of a turbocharger. So you can just take a standard engine and you can fit a turbocharger to it and basically it feeds more air into the engine under hard, you know, under higher power situations and then you can adjust the fuel going in and you can develop a lot more power out of it. And when I uh, combine fasting uh, with promptings from the Holy Spirit about what I should fast about, and I combine that with prayer, it's like, a, it's like turbocharging your prayer time. I don't know how to put it any other way. You may think, hey, my prayer time is pretty effective already. Then add fasting to it and it's going to be like adding a turbo to it in terms of the intensity and the power that you're going to generate out of that. And if you can hear, if you've got a good audio signal, I'm going to illustrate it uh, in this way. The first example I'm giving you here is a vehicle that is already a pretty mammoth engine in it and developing a lot of horsepower. Just listen to the sound of this for a few seconds. Ah, sweet, right? So this is the same vehicle when you add a turbocharger to it and see if you can hear the difference. Yeah, what a sweet sound. So that is what turbocharging your prayer life with fasting will do. It'll just take it to another level that you thought could never get to. So I thank you for uh, listening today, for watching. I am going to uh, go back to the, the challenge that we gave you to fast and pray for the month of February and combine it with the other things that we've been talking about, like read one chapter a day from the book of Matthew. 
Folks, we have so much work to do with the harbor. There's so much need in our community. There's so much hurt that needs to be healed. There's so many people that need to hear about Jesus. And there's so many people that need to experience the joy of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But folks, we're going to accomplish nothing in our own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So our prayer is that we would use fasting as one of those tools to put a put a turbocharger into the efforts, our prayer efforts, that is the starting point of our growth cycle here at the Harbor. Thank you for participating, listening to this message. I look forward to hearing incredible stories later this year about the power of fasting and prayer together in your spiritual lives.